We want to start today's podcast uh, just by giving our condolences to Alison Becker and his family on the sad um, and tragic passing of his father uh, last week. Um, we hope he's, uh, Ali's doing all right and we hope that he sometime soon gets to go back to Brazil and uh, be with his family because we know how important that is and football doesn't really mean a lot um, when it comes to circumstances like this. So all the best to Ali. And also some more um, sad news that came out today um, regarding one of Liverpool's legends, uh, Ian St. John, who played for the Reds for 10 years between 1961 and 1971, making 336 appearances, scoring 95 goals in the process. Sadly, passed away yesterday um, and it was announced today. So I just want to wish all the best to his family uh, and friends and you know, you'll, you'll never be forgotten and you'll never walk alone. Hello and welcome to the Anfield Talk podcast. I'm Robson uh, and I'll introduce who I've got on with me today. Uh, I've got Harry who made his debut last week um, and is, is back on a returning role. He's like Jota, you know, he came in, start the season, new role and he's scoring goals. So he's, he's back straight in the team for this week. Harry, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm not bad, mate. Great, that's it's good to hear. Yeah, and uh, we've got a debutant today in Zane. Zane, how are you doing? It's good to have you on, mate, for the first time. Thank you very much for having me. Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm I'm very well, thank you very much. Um, okay, so I mean, Zane, we'll come to you first, and we'll get straight on to uh, the weekend's game. Uh, Sheffield, how good is it to get to back to winning ways? You know, and seeing the Reds win a game for once. Yeah, it comes after a long period of um, not many wins and oh. it's um, an important confidence booster for the lads, you know. They're going into some important games coming up. We've got Leipzig, we've got Chelsea and to have a win boosts the confidence and hopefully they can carry on from that energy and take it into the next few matches. I think that that's extremely important. You mentioned about confidence and stuff. We looked really down the past couple of weeks and, you know, a, a lot of things happened to the club and the players revolving uh, and the manager, of course. So, you know, get, getting a little confidence boost. Yes, it may be a bottom of the league, but it was away from home. Um, we went there. It was a very professional performance. Um, coming on to the performance, Harry, how impressed were you with that? And especially talking about sort of the formation and a bit of that that change. Were you impressed by Klopp changing it up? And uh, like, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, it was it was nice to see him change it up. You know, we were talking about it last week, mm-hmm. how he needed to to try something a bit different. And the, you know, the second he does, we we get a very dominant win. You know, we controlled the game. Our shape was it was very interesting because I couldn't really make it out. Obviously, as the game was going on, but it seemed as though Genie and Thiago were in a, a double pivot which is, a, a, again, something we mentioned last week that Klopp could try. It almost seemed like Jones was in a in sort of 10 role or just off the striker. Um, it looked as though it was a three at the back with kind of Trent as the right centre-back, but kind of drifting in a bit more. It, it, was, a, it was a real strange sort of, sort of system that I don't think we've ever really seen before, but it worked. So if I was Klopp, I'd, I'd carry it on because it obviously played one game with it and won. So I don't see anything wrong with it. Yeah, I think that's it's it's like you say it's it's great to see, and um, I think Jamie Carragher alluded to it on Monday Night Football last night, where um, he talked about the sort of about what Klopp said in recent weeks about how Curtis Jones has to make himself more more known in an attacking sense, um, 
And, you know, we see, I think we've definitely seen that, of course, with the goal, but him just getting into those areas, uh, I think you could tell a lot more. He seemed to just look more dangerous. He kind of looked more like the role that he played when he played with the younger lads in the cup uh, against Everton last year and um, earlier on this season as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, you mentioned about how it looked like we were playing free at the back and that uh, definitely meant Robbo got a lot further forward. Um, and it was, that. yeah, it, it, but it was really, it was really interesting how um, you could see him on, him on the, on the left with, you know, you had Jones in the middle um, you had Manny coming a lot more central as well. Uh, so we were getting, and it's like we've talked about it loads on the podcast about how we just need more from our midfielders and more from other areas other than the forwards, really. Um, and yeah, it, it was really great scene. It was it was quite a quite a big a big change, really. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, moving on, like. I guess we can talk about it really. Curtis Jones uh, was the standout and he has been quite standout in many games uh, this season. Uh, Zane, what, what, was, what are your thoughts on um, Curtis Jones' performance on Sunday and how, we, how well he's adapted to playing in this team? Yeah, I think for the last few weeks, despite our lack of wins, he has been the standout performer and he has been driving the attack forward. He's been doing everything asked of him, even Trent as well, real leaders from on the pitch. And I think he really looks undroppable at the moment. And as more players come back from injury, as Naby comes back, um, I think it's going to be difficult for Naby to come back into the team because we've got, obviously, Thiago, we've got Ginny, and we've got Curtis. And Curtis has been playing so well. And he just looks undroppable, as I yeah. said. I mean, it, it's very interesting that you say that because literally the next note I've got is uh, Naby Keita and then just who loses their place uh, with a question mark as in who can be dropped for, to bring Naby back in or do we see it as a as a as someone being dropped or do we see it as rotation, which is something that we've lacked so much in the past couple of months with all the injuries? Is it now... It's a sort of good problem to have having Naby back and um, having this sort of competition in the midfield. Harry, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think like you just said, the midfield does need a, a bit of competition. Kind of the last couple of weeks, we've had the same three. You know, barring Milner and Shakiri have kind of made appearances here and there, but it has been that same three of Juan Aldum, Thiago, and and Jones. And I've, as Zane said, I don't think you can really drop Jones at the moment. I think it'd be very unfair on him because he's shown this season and especially in the past few weeks, that he is here to be with the first team and not just to make up a name on the bench. So I think, I don't think Naby will come straight back in. I think they're going to, you know, try and manage his injuries and try and not wear him out. Because I think that's kind of what it's been with him. It's just wear and tear. And I think, but again, on the other on the other side of that, I think Thiago needs a rest. He's played a lot of consecutive games of, you know, 60 minutes to, to 90 minutes. So I think he could do with a rest. So I think the rotation is good to have because we are now slowly building that midfield back up. Yeah, of course. I mean, when you look at uh, performances from people like Shakiri and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain as well, which haven't been up to... I mean, not not so much Shakiri. We've seen a few good things from him um, over the past few weeks and months. But um, with Ox, you know, he had that really bad injury and hasn't really hit the ground running since he's come back, which is 
such a shame because I, I mean I don't know about you guys but Ox was one of my favourite players in the squad especially when he came into it and that first season he was incredible until he got uh, the, that injury um, so it is a bit of a shame what's happened to his career but sometimes these things happen you know I mean we've seen it with Torres not so much to the same extent but when he got injured and um, it, it took him a while to sort of get back up to speed and as he was just kind of hitting a little bit of form uh, we ended up shipping him off to Chelsea and uh, he'd never really recovered um, fully from uh, that injury and never really hit the heights that he did at us for any other club of course though, going on to win a, a Champions League and I think a league title as well after that um, you know it's fair enough but, um, but yeah like you say edging people back in and um, making sure that we don't just run Naby into the ground straight away is, is very, very important. And I'm sure like we've spent this extra time on on making him, you know, his fitness better. We've we've heard rumors about it. Um and yeah, so so it's great to great to have him back in the team. And I think he came on and gave quite a solid performance. Um I guess we'll come on to it later about the team selection for the upcoming game against Chelsea and we can get your thoughts on on who you would start in midfield and um and the defence. But um in terms of uh the Sheffield game, is there anything more that you guys want to add in terms of um what you thought about it or or should we go straight on to Chelsea? Go on, Harry. No, just just putting in another couple of good words about some players. You know, although Bobby wasn't really finishing his, his chances, he was still, you know, making things happen, dropping deep as he obviously always does to try and create things. And even though he missed a few chances, although his his goal did obviously go down as an own goal, he still showed real intent to go for goal. He didn't let his head drop, which I think we all know is something he can be quite guilty of when he's missing chances, his head drops. And I think Thiago also did exceptionally. He looks like he's starting to settle into, you know, our way of playing a bit more. And could that be down to playing a double pivot? Obviously, someone he's used to coming from Bayern. So I think Klopp needs to to carry on doing that because it didn't only just bring the best out in him, but it seemed to have brought the best out of everybody. Yeah, I think um, I think Genie's um, performance was one of the better performances we've seen from him this season. Um, because you've seen him picking up the ball and driving forward, yeah, and it, it's just so refreshing to see. And it's what we all know Genie's capable of, um, and we've seen him. You know, we've seen him do it in the past, which is, I think is the reason why everyone gets so frustrated with Genie because uh, we we don't see it often enough, and we want him to get into those positions more often because we know he's capable of it. Um, but also, something else I want to mention actually is um, is Trent Alexander Arnold. Who I think's had a he had a tough start to the season and he wasn't um, you know I think he would admit he, he wasn't playing up to his usual standard, but I think the past two games you know the Everton game and uh, especially the game of the weekend he was absolutely tremendous he was my man the match for uh, for Sunday I thought he was he was absolutely incredible um, Zane what are you, what are your thoughts Yeah I was going to say about Trent um, I thought you know he had as you said a tough start coming into the season, even from last lockdown, he didn't seem how he had been as we had known him. Yeah. And, you know, he really showed passion, he showed desire going forward. He was defensively quite solid. 
he was playing in the so-called Cancelo role, which yeah. I thought was he did it really effectively, and I think he did it better than Cancelo does himself. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, just just carrying on from from what Zayn said, it obviously was hard for Trent because we know that during pre-season there were a few names that had COVID. And we only heard one of those being Divock Origi, but more recently it obviously has come out that Trent was one of those. And he obviously did miss the entire preseason. His first game back was the the Leeds game at Anfield. So it, it must have been hard for him because he wasn't training with the squad, couldn't really get up to speed as quick. So he was using that first part of the season to get up to speed and to the quality that everyone else was already at. And then obviously he gets that calf injury against City, which would have just put him back even further. So I think it's for Trent just been to build back up to how he was prior to the first lockdown because he was fantastic and he's been showing that more the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I think one of the things that we often forget about as well is that um, Trent is so young as a player and he's just going to become so much better. Like We forget he's only 22. When you, when you see other clubs who uh, aren't really having, having a very successful time at the moment talk about um, how football's all about XG and um, star boys and stuff like that now who, you know, when back when back when we weren't having much success, it was all about winning trophies, and now we're winning trophies. That's not good enough for anyone either. So, um, but you know, Trent is our star boy. We've got like the star boy of all star boys. Uh, so I don't. When it comes to conversations about um, other teams, people kind of forget that Trent is young. He's literally the young player of the year last season. So um, people need to sort of back off a bit on Twitter when they come to Liverpool and start giving us stick for not having any any extremely good youngsters when you know we've got Curtis Jones as well <laughs> so it, it it's pretty it's a pretty redundant argument um but I just wanted to slip that in there because it's something that that annoyed me over the over the weekend seeing a lot of teams talk about that um okay I mean Sheffield was great and it's good to return to 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 win in ways but as as is this season games are coming thick and fast and um we've got a huge huge game on Thursday night uh, against Chelsea. I just want to start first by mentioning that, you know, we seem to be getting getting back into a rhythm of things. And on on this podcast, especially, we've we've fallen into a trap of uh, winning one game, winning two games in a row and thinking, oh, we're back now. That's fine. All our problems will be gone. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the case. And we'll come on to all of the different factors around that um, in the rest of this podcast. But, um, I just want to talk about, thankfully, we have got some returning faces, I think, for Thursday night, and uh, that would be Fabinho, and hopefully Jota as well. There was a few rumours about Jota maybe having appendicitis, which um, is is not great, really, really not great, if, if that's true, after him having this long injury and him coming back and then possibly having that. But that rumour kind of came and went as fast as, as it did, so... I don't know if that's true, and uh, Klopp seemed to think that we would have Jota back for Thursday night, so that's a huge, huge plus. Um, we ran a poll on the Anfield talk um, earlier today that was asking if, if Fabinho was back, who would you play alongside him? Uh, Kabak or Phillips? And I don't, I don't think this comes as too much of a surprise, but a lot, of, but it could do. Phillips came out with a massive win at 72%. Um, with Kabak having only 28%. Um, and I'm going to come to you, Zane. What, what are your thoughts on, on Kabak? And do you think that that result's fair on him? Um, and then, Harry, I'll come to you afterwards and we'll talk about Phillips. But uh, first of all, Zane, um, Kabak, what are your thoughts? I think he 
it's been difficult for him because he hasn't been given much of an opportunity to settle in. Yeah. And he's really he got one, two games off and then he came straight into matches and he hasn't he's carried on playing since. And you know, he's he's looked good, but he I think Nat has looked solid in comparison. Aerially, um obviously we know that on the ground his footwork isn't the best. But he's looked really defensively well. And I think he just edges it over Kabak. He's Kabak's looked redundant in a few stages. Um notably that own goal that was luckily offside. Yeah. Um but I think Phillips just edges that one. Yeah, I mean, um I guess when you think about it and it's it's who's partner in Fabinho. Um who is not he's not Virgil van Dijk is what we, we is is what people I guess have to realise as much as he's been fantastic this season. Um and Philipson uh Phil, sorry, Phillips, who is settled into the club now, he's played quite a few games, um, he's had a run of, of really good games where he hasn't really put a foot wrong. It's probably a lot more safe to play um Phillips than Kabak when we've got Fabinho next to him, had it been Virgil van Dijk or even Matip, I guess, it might be a case where you, you keep Kabak there because you want him to get the game time. Um, but with it being Chelsea and all the things they could possibly throw at us, uh, Phillips may be the, uh, the better option. Harry, what are your thoughts on that? Um, for, for, for Chelsea, I think it, it, it's hard because I would preferably like to keep Kabak and Phillips together and have Fabinho in midfield. And I know that's been a, a common call across, you know, all the football managers on Twitter. But I just think we need to try and get a centre-back partnership that we know is going to last and isn't being chopped and changed because that's been the story of this season. I think if we can get a consistent centre-back pairing together, whether that be Fabinho and one of them two or Kabak and Phillips, I think that would help us a lot. But for Chelsea, I would, if, you know, Saying that Fabinho is is starting, I would put Phillips alongside him. As as you said, he's not he's not put a foot wrong, and it it's confused me as to how much he's been overlooked this season. You know, Reese Williams has obviously been given a lot of game time, and fair play to the young kid, he's come in and done really well because he has been thrown in at the deep end. His debut was in of in course, the Champions, yeah. but obviously he had that that game against United, which I think pointed out to a lot of people that he probably wasn't ready for this level yet. And he probably did need a bit more experience. So I think that's where Nat's come in and done absolutely fantastic. Never not put a foot wrong. It's been solid every game aerially. And as you know, Zane said, his footwork isn't the best, but that's something that can be improved over time as because he's still quite young, isn't he? I don't think he's I think he's what, twenty three? Yeah. Um so he's still got loads of time to improve. And I think he has to be our first choice centre back going forward. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting when you think about uh, at the start of the season. Um, have if we thought we had to rely on that Phillips at some stage, everyone would have laughed it off and just thought you you were absolutely crazy. But it, this is what this season has come to. Um, but like you say, we've got to give a huge amount of credit to Nat Phillips. And I think um, when when the two signings were made at the end of January, um, I was one of the people who kind of pointed out I was. Phillips very very rarely even came into the conversation of who who you would play, and I was kind of like, well, why should why should he not be? Because he hasn't he literally hasn't put a foot wrong yet. Um, 
And I think, uh, Mike, not to sort of blow my own trumpet, but but what I said was is now came. It's pretty true, you know. He's he's proved himself, um, and there's a lot of shouts for him getting new contracts. Uh, I, I don't see the harm in that. I can't imagine he'd be on too much. That would affect us uh, in the wage department, um, especially considering what some other um, of our players are on who probably haven't stepped up as much as he has, especially this season. Um, so yeah, I think Phillips is a is a fantastic option. Um, it, it, like coming on to the actual Chelsea game, you know, we don't know who we'll be facing up front. It could be Werner, um, who you know is very fast, and uh, Fabinho handled them very well last time uh, when we we played against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Um, but if it if it's Giroud instead, uh, and there's that aerial battle, um, Phillips might be a very good option in that department as well because um I don't know how you know if the stats back this up or not but I did notice that Quebec um did sort of lose a lot of his aerial duels on Sunday or he wasn't winning a lot of them anyway. Um so it, whereas it's pretty much the opposite with Phillips. So um you know it it's very interesting to see the call that that cop makes in regards to that, because I think your point, especially Harry, about keeping a um, consistent centre half pair and together is is so key. Um, but it's whether it goes down to whether or not you gamble on this hugely, hugely important game, whether or not you put Fabinho back in there because you know you can rely on him, or whether you stick with this partnership and look about going forwards and cons- consistently playing this partnership and then putting Fabinho back in midfield in front of them um, to try and cover them, especially if we're moving on to this uh, this new formation as well. How do you think, Harry, Fabinho could help if we could go forward and keep on playing in this formation where we do see more of a free-back with Robertson pushing forward? I think you see... Fabinho in a similar role that he used to play prior to this season, you know, just kind of sitting in front of the back line or even being part of the back line, just sweeping everything up, making sure nothing gets through, letting everyone else kind of roam freely. And what we see with, especially when we play as a six, when one of our fullbacks go forward, the CDM or the six, if you want to call it, would naturally kind of drift back into their position to cover for them. And we see it on the other side as well, normally with Hendo and Trent. So I think having Fabinho in there would be would be vital. It allows the midfielders to play a lot more forward up the pitch, be a lot more creative, which then brings in Naby, Curtis and Thiago, because that's what you know they are the best at doing is creating. So I think it would really help that system. You've got Fabinho, who's a very, very strong tackler, can read the game well and can pick up the ball, you know, win it back and play it forward and then we would probably start seeing the counter-attacking play a lot more that we play. You know, we're a very counter-attacking side. We like to take it from the back up to the, to the opposition's goal. We've seen it many times this season, like with Shakiri against against West Ham. That was, what, something like three passes from our goal to theirs? So I think Fabinho would very much suit the system that we've we, we kind of saw us play against against Sheffield and I think he would do a very good job in there. So I mean in terms of that, we've we're obviously playing that midfield of Genie, um, Tiago and Curtis Jones at the moment. 
who comes out to add Fabinho into the midfield? You take Genie out and add um, Fab into there. I think if if we are still playing kind of with that three recognised midfielders, it, it would have to be Genie because he is the one playing as a six at the moment. So I think he would drop straight out and Fab would go straight in because I think it would be harsh to drop Thiago because he's still getting used to the game. And I, I don't think he's really had any horrific games. I'd say his worst performances were probably probably City and Leicester. And he wasn't dreadful, but I think it would be hard to drop him. He's still getting used to the new league. And with, with Curtis, I think dropping him would dent his confidence massively. And I don't think that's something we can afford to do because he is very much one for the future. I think he needs to be given as much time as possible because he's already proved himself. He's already shown he's one of the best midfielders at the club and probably one of the best young midfielders in the league, if not maybe the world, if you kind of want to put him in that category. And I think Genie needs a rest. He's played most games this season and he's played a big chunk of the games, you know, 90 minutes. So I think it would be good for him to have a rest. I think that would benefit him massively. I think you're spot on, to be fair. Um, Going forwards in, how important is it to win on Thursday night against Chelsea in regards to our Champions League hopes, in regards to, you know, could going into the summer and just in regards to getting back to winning ways at Anfield, which do you think is the most important, most important factor there? Is it the, you know, getting back into that winning mentality or do you think this game's even bigger on that and that it's a must win because it could affect us for years to come losing this game? Um, it's kind of how important these things have become now. Yeah, um, I think it it is really season defining this type of game and it will really affect how how the top four is placed if we get Champions League next season and if we do get Champions League next season what type of signings we'll be able to get and that will it's major it's really it's huge and I think as well as that it's confidence we need to get back onto winning ways on a permanent basis. And yeah, really, it's huge. Yeah, I mean, it, it it is hard to put into words sometimes about just like we're so unused to this situation. Um, since you know, for the best part of three four years now, we've been just unstoppable. So again, even two months ago, um, it would be absolutely inconceivable that we would be in a fight where we you know it could go either way whether we'd make the Champions League or not I mean there was there was a part in the season close to Christmas where pundits had said oh the league's over Liverpool have already won it which now looking back is crippling really to think about because it's like how wrong and how much no one predicted we would fall off a cliff this much Um, but yeah I mean Chelsea are if I'm right unbeaten under Tuchel Um, they've have put a run together, you know, pretty solid performances, or some of them, some draws, uh, some wins. You know, they had that good game away to Atletico Madrid um, last week that everyone was criticizing Simeone for. Um, I think Tuchel has a very interesting character that we've added to the league now. Um, certainly a lot more interesting than listening to Frank Lampard talk about football um, week in, week out. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on him and Chelsea at the moment? And I mean, it's totally understandable if you if you don't really have anything on them because I know I I haven't actually watched a lot of them. I've keep kept up with their scores, but I've struggled to watch a lot of football recently due to the fact that 
watching us being so bad than them watching others play good is it's just been it's been very hard. But um, Zane, I'll, I'll come to you. What are your thoughts on uh, Tuchel at Chelsea? And you know, going forward, do you think he can he can help them out and get them back to their old ways? Or well, yeah, he's shown to be a top top manager when um, taking PSG to the final, and he's made a good impact um, with Chelsea. Obviously, unbeaten beating Simeone, um, something we struggled to do last season. And I think some Chelsea fans on Twitter were saying how similar he plays to Sarri in his sense of um, play. And I think it will be interesting when he, uh, when, when, he, when he plays against Klopp's Liverpool, seeing what happens and seeing how, how they both play against each other, really. Harry, what about you? What are your thoughts? I must say, I've, I think I've watched nearly every Chelsea game since Tuchel's come in because I've just wanted to see how he's going to play with them. Obviously, he's got a lot of different players to what he had at PSG. And he obviously is a top manager, like Zane said, took them to the Champions League final. And they were only narrowly beaten by Bayern, who you could probably say have been the best team in the world this this past year. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how they, they come up against each other, Klopp and Tuchel, because... Tuchel's been very good defensively. They've conceded two goals in however many games he's played. One of them was an own goal. And obviously the other came from a very own Taki Minamino. <laughs> so I think it'll be good to see how defensively capable they are against us. Because I don't think they have really faced an attack like ours. You know, I think United was probably the the closest to that. And they United didn't really create much. But overall, that was a very boring game. So it'll be interesting. But... I made a very good point, I thought, when Tuchel did did leave PSG was how has he managed to get the sack from a one-team league with players like Neymar and Bappe? Like, how has he managed to be sacked in that league by that it's, team? Yeah, it's true. I mean, it it goes. it's a strange one when, you, when it comes to clubs like that because um, you either you sort of guaranteed to have some success. Like you pretty much know that they're going to, to win the league and domestically do pretty well. Um, and I think it all relies on the Champions League. And the interesting thing is, is that he's took them the furthest they've ever been yeah, in, exactly. in terms of, you know, getting them to the final. So you would think that he would have a bit of cash in the bank to kind of um, stay on if he had any uh, run of, you know, bad performances. Um, but he has gone and they've got Pochettino in, which, to me, is a, a extremely good bit of business, really, because I would still say probably when you if you put the two up against each other, what's more impressive? PSG get into a Champions League final or Pochettino get into a Champions League final, which he did obviously with Spurs when we played them. It's Pochettino hands down um, with that Spurs team in comparison to the PSG team. So, you know, it, it, it I can I can see why it's happened, especially with Pochettino being available. Um but it is interesting that he's Tuchel still hasn't really he's never really done it at, at any at any of these clubs to a, the standard that they thought he might. So I know he, he wasn't greatly loved um at Dortmund and didn't really have much success with them. And then he went am I right in saying he went straight into the PSG job after that? Yeah, um but- and so, and then he, you know, he took that. He obviously had some domestic success, and then um, took them to a Champions League final, which is is pretty pretty good going as far as managers for them them go, like we say. But 
Um, he was obviously Klopp's successor at Dortmund as well, so there's that aspect. Um, you know, I I think it was always possible that if Klopp left Liverpool, we could have got um, Tuchel in. So it is interesting now that he has he's getting some Premier League experience uh, under his belt, and I think it'll be really interesting to see what he does with this team next season because I think it's always hard to judge a manager when they come into a team halfway through the season like Klopp did with us and we had no real expectations of that season and we went to we went to two cup finals lost them both but it was more than we probably expected at the start of that season when um, we had Rodgers in charge so I think it's a it's an extremely you know interesting prospect this game we've coped extremely well against the other um, top six teams this season we're only in that little league table that Sky loved to draw up of um, the battle between the top six, we're second, only three points behind City. And I think we're only five goals behind them in terms of um, goals for, um, which is, you know, they scored four against us. So that's that's pretty much pretty much why that's the difference. Um, and obviously, you know, we beat Chelsea at the start of the season. Yes, they had a, they had a red card, but we always look like, like beating them. But at the same time, we look like a totally different team then to what we... We were now, of course, we had that um, really, really exciting game before we lifted the trophy last season as well. Um, and I don't, like Chelsea just always come across as that team that um, I, I can't really remember us ever doing too badly against them. You know, we uh, Torres's first goal uh, for the club was against Chelsea. You had the two goals that he scored against them before he moved to them. Uh, we had Salah's incredible strike in the season. We now he won the title. Um, the only real time you think about about Chelsea beating us uh, is when you know the infamous uh, Gerard slip. So it's it's one of them games that I never, re- I don't really ever fear Chelsea. But then you always have that in the back of your mind that that's probably a bad thing not to to fear them, especially under under certain form um, that we're under at the moment. But of course, if we do beat them, we'll go above them, and the fight for the top four is 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 back on. Um, which kind of looked like it was dead and buried after um, last week's performance against Everton. Um, we Opta have us at a 58% chance of making the Champions League this season, and I presume finishing fourth. Um, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that, Harry? Do you think that we will make it? I know we, we, we've talked about this in the past and it often becomes a sticky subject because we talk about it in depth and then we end up just capitulating and having a terrible performance afterwards but at this moment in time if I gave you if I gave you a hundred pound uh to put on whatever we'd, we'd make the Champions League or we wouldn't what would you put it on oh I'd obviously always put it on for us to, to get in there but I, I genuinely think we will you've got teams up there like you know West Ham and Leicester and obviously we're starting to see Leicester drop off a bit like they did last year obviously they got Absolutely. The Rogers effect. Yeah, they absolutely got blown off the park by Arsenal on Sunday. And I, I watched that game and they just looked like a completely different team without, you know, James Madison. Pulling the strings. Yeah, I agree. Like a massive hole in that midfield that nobody else can really fill. So I think Leicester will drop off and the same with West Ham. I feel like their you know, lack of maybe squad depth, I think that's kind of harsh to put it, but they don't have a very big squad. Yeah. I think, you know, players will tire and they'll drop off and then that you know, gives us a place. I think Chelsea could potentially get in there as well with the way they're playing. I think United will stay in. I think they've got a good buffer to the team below them. So I think they'll stay in there. But I do think we'll get top four. 
if we can put a good run of games together, I think it's a hundred percent achievable. What What about you, Zane? I'll just go through um, through a table before we get your thoughts on it. So, um, going from going from United down, um, United are on fifty points with uh, twenty six games played. Leicester forty nine after twenty six. West Ham. 45 after 26, Chelsea 44 after 26, Liverpool 43 after 26, and Everton on 43 as well, but have a game in hand. So Zane, what what do you what do you think and where do you think we how can we sneak in? Where do we finish? Where do you can you see it, it happening? Um, I think for a start, beating Chelsea will obviously take us over them. And West Ham, I can see them dropping a few points, like Harry said. I can see Leicester dropping points. There's only six points between us and Leicester at the moment. And as we saw last season, they really dropped out of the top four altogether. They were second at one stage. I think in December they were second, right behind us. And within we blew two, them out the water. Yeah. And within two, three months, they were out of the top four and were struggling against Southampton. So I think if I think, again, confidence is a huge thing. If our team can get confidence again and we can get back to winning ways, I see us getting into the top four. Yeah, I mean, it, it's incredible when you look at the form of the last five games. You know, you've got United, three draws and two wins. Um, Leicester just just lost at the weekend, but before that had three wins and four, which is one being a draw. Exactly the same for West Ham. Lost at the weekend, won the previous two before that, drew the game before that one, and then won the game uh, five games ago. And then you look at us, who won at the weekend and lost, 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 lost. How the hell we're still in this is beyond me. I mean, we had such a... I think we kind of forget now how strong um, of a start of the season we had and how long it took for the wheels to fall off, which it feels like we haven't, we've barely won any games this season, but we barely lost until Christmas really. Um, and, you know, Everton who have won the last two, one of them being against us, um, they'd lost the, the previous two before that and um, drew the game before that. So, I mean, when you look about, when you look at the league, had we won them games, we were winning when other teams would have been winning. No one else has really dropped any points um, particularly out of it, like there's a few draws in there, but a lot of teams have been winning whilst we've been losing. Um, you know, if if we could have just got a couple of draws in there or a couple of wins, we we could be looking so much better. And you think of the games where we lost them, like one nils against Southampton, who haven't won a game this calendar year yet. You've got um, the one nil against Burnley, and just this the games at Anfield really are the are the key. And I think that's the big thing about Thursday night. We're back at Anfield. We we just need to get back to winning ways, really. We just need to. It's it's the only the only real option we have. Because I think should we not win on um, Thursday night, it it's over. It's pretty pretty much over. I think. And another interesting point is as well is that Leicester's final three games of the season um, are Spurs, Manchester United, and City, I believe. Um, so if you look at those um, final three games, if they're within three points of us, um I'm I'm banking on us to, to overtake them. Um so 
you know, it, it, it is all still to play for. It really is. I mean, it, we looked dead and buried last week after Everton, but it, a, a win on Thursday night, what that could do for the confidence of the team and going forward, you know, we've got a very favourable fixture list coming up as well. We, could, we get a few wins, a couple of draws, you know, just like don't lose to silly, don't lose silly games. If a team comes and completely outplays us and we lose, it's fair enough, but it's, it's those games where we're we're losing one nil just because teams have eleven men behind the ball and we can't break them down. It's it's not really acceptable anymore. We especially with Jota coming back, you know, we, we've got a great chance. We really really have. Um, so I mean, g- going on to to your team predictions and stuff, saying we'll come to you first. What 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 are you going for for Thursday night? I think Allison should be back as well. Fingers crossed. Um, but I mean, if he's not, that obviously it's obviously totally acceptable. We all understand. But um, if Ali's, if we're we're saying Ali's back, going past there, what's your what's your defence midfield and forward line? Um, I would go with Phillips and Kabak as um, the centre back partnership. Trent Robertson uh, on the wing, wing back. Sorry, um, in number six, I'd play Favino really if he's back. Straight back in. Yeah, if if he's available, um, Thiago and Curtis, and the front three I'd play Salah, Mane, and if if he's back, then Jota, and I'd I'd give Firmino a rest, a well-deserved rest. But obviously that's that's based on Jota and the rumours, his appendicitis. Klopp said he should be back. Fingers crossed, he will be. The interesting thing about Jota is, is Klopp's been raving about him so much in training as well and saying he's been fantastic. Um, with him having, you know, these extra few days off, it's not out of the realm of possibility, I don't think, of him starting. Personally, I don't think he will, especially after sort of Fabino, Firmino's um, good performance at the weekend, if you like. I mean, his finishing was poor, but overall, he, he had a really good performance. Um, it... it it's interesting and it's exciting because it's like the first time in a while where we've actually got options and we we could see a a really favourable team that with with a good with a good bench as well. Harry, what what are you thinking? What uh what are your thoughts? Are you similar to Zane or Yeah, similar a few things that I'd probably go with, but I I don't want to upset the rhythm too much. You know, we've yeah, got a win. That's so true. I don't, I don't change it too much otherwise it completely upsets it. But I think if Ali's back and he feels as though he's ready to to come back, I'm all for him coming back into starting eleven. But I wouldn't be angry if he did decide to say no. I want you know a bit more time off. It's completely understandable. And I think Adrian had a a fairly good game. Yeah, yeah. His... I mean, credit where credit is due, he was totally yeah. fine and made some crucial saves as well. I mean, his positioning for that own goal was a bit dodgy. <laughs> yeah, off so I'd go with um, Kabak and Phillips as the centre backs. I think they need to form a formidable partnership because they are probably our two best options. Obviously, Trent and Robbo, unchanged. I, I want to say Fabinho in the six, but with our injuries this season, I, d- I don't think he will. I don't, I don't think Klopp will rush him back because he, he did that against City and he got injured again. So I, I'd rest him, give him the time he needs. So I'd keep Genie in the six and then Jones and Thiago. I wouldn't put Naby in yet. I think he needs a bit more time to get his match fitness back, build up as much fitness as he can for this last sort of stretch of the season. And then Mane, Firmino and Salah up front. I know obviously the silly Twitter rumours of Jota having appendicitis were, <laughs> I'd say, debunked by Klopp saying that he should yeah. be back Thursday. But again, it obviously came out that we are going to manage him. 
so he doesn't get these these injuries. So I don't think he'll be he'll be thrown in. I can definitely see him coming off the bench, you know, even if we're winning, just to give him some minutes to try and get him back into that form that he was in before he obviously unfortunately got injured. I think that's um it's it's uh, it's really interesting and again exciting because how long has it been since we've been able to bring someone effective off the bench? Um, the last time I think a, a positive substitution was made was uh, West Ham when we brought Curtis Jones off the bench, um, which again, if if he does end up, um, you know, not starting a game in the future, like in the next couple of weeks, what a fantastic option it, it is to have off the bench. And it's not like we're dropping him because he's been poor. We could just, it's just rotation really. Um, and it's so important, I think, especially this season to be able to have that impact off the bench. Um, we've seen how important it was when we used to bring Jota off the bench at the start of the season. And just to have that option, whether it be Jota, whether it be Firmino, or, you know, it could be Salah or, or um, Mane when we never know. We've seen a lot of rotation at the beginning. Um, it's just it it's just so much more... You're not looking when the team sheet comes out and looking at the subs bench and going, oh, like sighing and thinking that it's the end of the world because we've got players on there who we've never even heard of um, from the under 23s. Um, so it's really, it's, you know, really, again, exciting times. Um, going on to one of the final things I want to talk about, uh, which is, could be the most excitable time ever to be a Liverpool fan. Um, in this ideal world where the 58% chance of us getting into the Champions League comes off and we get that fourth place spot. Um, Duncan Castles uh, came out this morning. I don't know what where it, where it kind of came from. I just kind of woke up to this news on Twitter of my whole timeline talking about how we're getting an Mbappe. And I was like, what? where has this come from? So, you know, of course, we looked into it. And Duncan Castles came out and said, um, I'll try and find the exact thing he said, but it it went along the lines of um, Kylian Mbappe wants to move to the Premier League. His preference would be a move to Liverpool as he wants to work with Jurgen Klopp. Now, it's extremely exciting and I'll get both your views on it, but personally, this is why it's so important we break into the Champions League because I can't see Mbappe coming to us if we're playing in the Europa League next season. I think that's absolutely just out of the realm of, of possibility. Now, would that mean that he could wait and play another season for PSG and come to us on a free default the following season? Would PSG happen? I, I personally don't think so. Um, but Harry, do you think this is something that could happen if we get Champions League football or if we don't get Champions League football? Or do you think this is, we've been building up for this for a few years now and maybe that's why FSG have not spent as much money as possible? Or do you think that's just, we're giving, that might be a bit us being a bit easy on FSG? What, what, what are your thoughts on it? There obviously have been reports probably ever since Mbappe broke out as this massive star. There have obviously been the reports that we've always kind of sniffed around. Obviously, John Henry took him out on his private plane around France for two hours for what seems now like absolutely no reason. But I think that could maybe be why FSG haven't spent a lot of money because they are kind of saving up for something big like this. But I think if we don't get top six, not well, not top six, top four. I definitely yeah. think it's dead and buried, at least for another year. Because obviously, he's not going to be one to play in on Thursdays. Kind of like I said last week, not many people are going to want to be out in Kazakhstan on a Thursday evening <laughs> playing. Yeah. So, but I think if we get top four, it it's definitely a possibility. Why not? He'd still be playing Champions League and he'll be playing for 
for such a successful club. But I don't think it just comes down to us getting top four. I think we would have to see one of the, the front three leave. It's a, it's a, it's yeah, it's it's not a bad point at all, really. Zane, what what do you think about it? I think it look Mbappe is a world class player, and he's going to want to play for one of the top clubs in the world where he's regularly playing European football in the top top division of European football. And without Champions League football, I think it's very unlikely that we can get him. And, you know, we're being linked to other players like Haaland. Today, I saw a rumour about us being linked to Haaland. And it's exciting as a Liverpool fan to be linked to such players. But is it really possible in the form that we, our, our recent form, we've won? And if we get top four, then yes, potentially we might get him. And obviously another thing is the funds. Um, FSG haven't spent much. And a lot of people can't see us going for these top expensive talents. Yeah, I mean, there is, uh, there's rumours of FSG getting uh, investment from, I can't remember what the company's called. Redside. Yeah, Redside. Yeah. So possibly that ha- may have something to do with it, because I think it's 10% for, um, is it 750 million? Um, yeah. Which values yeah. FSG in their total. Uh, 7.5 billion which is incredible really um, considering what they bought uh, Liverpool for and how much the club must be worth now um, with all the incredible players and assets that, that we have obviously the best the biggest stadium and everything they've you know credit where credit's due they've built us up from a business aspect uh, which is it's never really nice to talk about your football club as in a in terms of a business but realistically that's what we are especially to them and uh in terms of in that sense, they've done a, an incredible job. Um, whether or not it's something that that was their aim to do and then sell the club is entirely possible. You know, rumours have happened over the past couple of years of possible um, Chinese investment um, or Arab um, investment or or takeover. So you never really know what the future is going to be like um, with owners like FSG, but. I think, you know, the the fan base is, pl- is pretty split when it comes to FSG and you kind of, you either, I don't think it is as clear cut as this, um, but I think you kind of, regardless, you get for, you get pushed into one category, you either FSG in or FSG out. Um, personally, I'm just sort of FSG, make, make sure stuff happens. I don't care. I'm like, I don't really... I don't really think I have any say on whether or not um, they should be in or out because there's there's pros and cons to uh, to both sides of it. You know, they pulled us out of um, a very dire situation, and they've they're running the club financially very very smartly. But it's not what you want to see as a football fan. You want to see these big signings, and as Liverpool fans, you know, we've we've been starved of that quite a lot. And it, I think I mentioned this last week is that. It's very telling how much the fan base got excited about Thiago, more than I can remember about any other signing, because on the pure basis that he's a name, he's a big name footballer in Europe, and he's came, to, he's come to LFC, which is which very rarely happens, but we're so used to seeing it at Arsenal getting Ozil, you know, United always bring in um, these big names regardless of whether they're in the Champions League or not, um, you know, Chelsea not making, um, they can not make the Champions League and still bring in these names with the London draw. Um, 
whereas with, with Liverpool, we're not used to seeing that. You know, we're used to signing players from the Premier League and building them up, or players from you know up smaller European clubs like how we got Salah um, from from Roma, and for for a, a lot smaller price than what he was probably worth, and then building them up into this superstar. That tends to be what we do, and it's not often that we actually sign superstars like Mbappe. So we are going to get carried away, and we are going to you know get excited when these rumours come out. I guess. It's just down to whether it's realistic or not, especially after um, COVID. Harry, what, what, what are your thoughts? Just just going back to the, the Thiago thing, I think our fan base was desperate for that one to go through. And I know that I personally was, but one thing I noticed was the timescale of that, that deal. What I think the end of May, the rumours were coming out that he kind of wanted yeah. to, to join and he was toying with the possibility of turning down a new offer of a contract from Bayern. And we signed him towards the end of September. So I just wonder why it took so long because the interest from Thiago's side was clearly there, but it just kind of shows how FSG have been with the spending and how that we've had to pay his his transfer fee of, I think, up front it was 20 and then the rest was in add-ons. And it obviously was that we would pay it in instalments, five years. So four, four years of five million to kind of run his contract. I just wonder why it, it took so long. Was that kind of FSG stalling, going, we don't really want to spend that money? But then on the flip side, we go and sign Jota for 30-odd million the day later. Yeah, it, again, um, it's one of them things where after this, yeah, can we afford it? Does someone have to leave? Um, can anyone afford anyone in our front freeze? Another thing, because people talk about um, the potential of of Salah leaving or the potential of uh, Mane leaving or even Firmino. But they're players that this club is not going to just let go for pennies. You know, if if someone wants Mane and we want, if we want Mbappe, you possibly have to see Mane go the other way. Or you definitely have to get, I would, I honestly would say you have to get rid of one of them. And I don't know, what, like, what are your feelings on, do you think we should uh, be sentimental about these players, Zane? Or do you think, because, I don't think getting rid of Sadio Mane is, is a is a small thing. Like I think he's been so he was the start of the revolution, and to just kind of throw him out with the bathwater and to to get Mbappe, it seems pretty harsh. But at the same time, you can't really, I guess, afford to be sentimental with these things. And it, this players have to move on. What what you what do you think? I think, as you said, it was the beginning of the resurgence of Liverpool when. Mane came in 2016 and, you know, he came with Klopp and he he transformed the team and, you know, he came with Salah, Mane, Firmino and tore Europe apart and tore the league apart. But, you know, when it comes to selling him and, you know, other players coming in, it's a difficult one because he's been so popular with the, with the, with the fans and it's a tough one. It really is because you know we love him as a fan base, but do we hold him for so long before his before his value goes down? And do we do we allow him to stay? Do we keep him and turn down the opportunity, the prospect of one of Europe's best young players, maybe taking over the, the baton from Messi and Ronaldo? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think Zane hit the nail on the head there. 
Mbappe was kind of the start of the Liverpool we've seen now. And obviously, what did I say? Mbappe. Well, Mbappe could be, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mane is obviously the start of this this Liverpool team that we've seen now. He obviously bought Salah and Firmino along along with him to kind of bring success and goals. But I think if we were to see one of them leave, it would be Salah or Mane, as heartbreaking as it is to say, because they're the ones that are going to bring the big clubs towards them and they're going to pay a lot of money. And I think I just don't think Firmino brings the same price tag. So I feel as though it would be either Mane or Salah. And it's it's a hard idea to kind of toy with because do you sell Mane, a proven Premier League player who knows the league, knows the teams, do you sell him for someone like Mbappe, who's never had any Premier League experience and could flop massively, like, is that a chance that Liverpool are willing to take? Yeah, and um, I mean, another thing to consider as well is that the African Cup of Nations is coming up next season in January. And we've also heard um, the rumours of um, Mohamed Salah being part of Egypt's uh, preliminary um, team for the, the Olympics in the summer as well. So we're looking at potentially losing Salah for probably 15, maybe not as many as 15. I'm trying, I'm trying to rework it out in my head as, as we go. Um, but he's going to, regardless, miss all of preseason, miss the start of the season, and then miss, um, I think, the end of December, all of January, half of February. Uh, that, is a, that is a lot of games next season. Um, and of course, Mane will... will lose games for the African Cup of Nations as well. We'll probably use Kaita as well. So you've got to realistically add it up. If personally I would get rid of Mane, but if we lose Salah for most of the season next year, at least like best part of half, it's it's not good for the team. It's it's really not and it's not good having to, you know, take him out bet and bet him back in. Um for him then to leave again straight away. You know, you've got the potential of injury there as well. Say he picks up an injury in the in the Olympics. And he starts to come back in December. You then go to the um, to the African Cup of Nations, and we could be without him for like you know eighteen, well, at least half of the Premier League season. Could miss a lot of the Champions League as well. It's it's all things you, I think the club will have to have to consider. Um, Zane, what what is what were your think uh, for? Yeah, I would I would agree with the fact that Salah's going to be out for a very very long time, and you know can we really do without him? But I think Klopp has thought for the future in the signing of Jota, where we've got, if, if say, Mane did leave tomorrow and we got Mbappe as a replacement, it would be an attacking trio of Mane, uh, sorry, Mbappe, Firmino and Jota. So I think maybe we could deal with the potential of Salah leaving for a short period of time, but in the long term, I think Jota is there as as a good backup and someone to take over. I think losing Salah would have very, very bad implications for our squad. I think he's very much the, more recently anyway, everything's kind of gone through him. Most of our goals have been scored by him. I think if we lose him, it's going to have big impacts on our season. Especially in pre, like losing him from pre-season and kind of having him back in bits up to sort of February time. We know that players that miss pre-season struggle. Like obviously, like Trent, for example, he's only just getting up to speed now, yeah. and we're in February. And obviously, 
Liverpool kind of need those players around that Christmas period. Salah is obviously a massive player for us and scores a lot of goals around that period. You know, if you look back at the time he's been with us, a lot of goals have come in that really, really hectic winter period. And I think it showed when we lost Mane the first season he was with us. Oh, you were dreadful. Yeah, in that sort of Christmas period, we were absolutely shocking. We, I think our first win of 2017 came in February when we had him back. And I think we could see a very similar thing should Salah not be with us for that time. Yeah, um, I think um, if I was if I was in charge of this and we had to get, um, if we were getting Mbappe in the summer, the way I would kind of, I guess, try to do it if we're looking to sort of revamp the team over the next few years and transition into this next um, team, which, you know, it, it happened at Manchester United in all them years with Fergie. You know, he would build a squad, have them for about four years, and then, you know, it would be a completely different team by the time five years came on. Um, with the foundation still the same, but, so you know, some of the key players changing. You had Van Nistelrooy and then Ronaldo, and, of course, you had Rooney in there and stuff like that. So, like teams you know they evolve and I think the way we should look to do it in an ideal world would be possibly move Mane on in the summer um, and bring in Mbappe and then with Salah not being as big of a part of the team next season you kind of coach him through that season get the last bits out of him when he can but you use that season as a sort of phase out of, of Mohamed Salah and not relying on him as much and then move him on the season after um, to then bring in someone else, you know that target could come. We we would probably find that out within the season who we would be looking at if we were looking to move Mosala on next year, and that would be like quite a nice transitional way to move on from that front three, especially if we sign, you know, you've got Jota in there, or if we sign another actual you know striker that could we could then phase um, Bobby out as well, and then that would be the sort of evolution of the team. Um, going forward, you know, we're looking at the Paul as well um, from Indonesia. You know, you've got Curtis Jones, but you've got Genie Wijnaldum leaving. You can kind of see the cogs turn and start and the evolution. Um, and, you know, it, it's going to be an exciting time to be a Liverpool fan, especially if we can squeeze back into the Champions League this season. If not, it could have catastrophic effects. It could also just end up helping us focus on the Premier League more next season. And we could go on and definitely... Uh, secure Champions League football and potentially win the league next season. You just you kind of never know. But um, we're going to wrap that up um, pretty much there, boys. I'm just going to quickly get your score predictions um, for this game on Thursday night. Uh, Harry, we'll come to you first. I think it's going to be a tight game. I don't think it's going to be a game where either team really runs away with it. I think both teams will score. So I'm going to go for a 3-1 Liverpool win. I take that. Zane, what about you? Um, I would agree with Harry. I think it's going to be a tight game. I think both teams will score. I'm going to go with 2 1. Mm, I, I think I, I was going to go with 2 1 and Jota getting a goal off the bench, uh, but potentially even closer and getting a nil, uh, getting a 1 0 win after a tightly fought 0 0 up to about the 70th minute um, because we do not score goals in the first half of games. So it'll be nil-nil at half-time and then possibly Jota coming on and getting a winner afterwards and uh, seeing that one-nil win, which would be huge going into the weekend. Um, so we're going to wrap that up there. Um, thanks for everyone listening and you should hear from us 
before Fulham at the weekend on Friday, we should be looking to get another podcast out uh, reviewing the Chelsea game as we look to you know bring more podcasts to you and increasing increasing the content. Hopefully, we'll have um, the return of Naz next over the next week as well. Um, but for now, I'll um, I'll probably be taking up the reins of hosting uh, until then. But um, Thanks for coming on again, Harry, and uh, thanks for coming on for the first time, Zane. You've been a uh, fantastic, great addition. We'll definitely have you on again. Um, and uh, until next time, thanks for listening, and let's hope we get a win. And uh, you'll hear from us talking about uh, Chelsea loss and the Liverpool win on Friday. Thanks.